Pittsburgh Steeler fans, this is behind the steel curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you for another disappointing Steelers post game show here at Behind the Steel Curtain. Uh, it's it's late. It is still Sunday night. It's almost Monday morning here in the Pittsburgh time zone. You know, we call it Pittsburgh time now. But uh, with me this week is one Brian Anthony Davis. Bad. How's it going? Ah, you know, I wish it could be a little bit better, but hey, I guess we have our health. Yeah. Do we after that one? Do we ever help? I mean, uh, I don't sound much better, do I? So uh I haven't had much health this week at no, all. No, you you don't sound that great. I know uh I'm feeling the growing pains from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but you know, eh, we live to fight another day, I guess. Yeah. So I I know. I know what's going on, Steelers fans. This is this is disappointing. It seemed like the victory was right there to grab. We're going to do all that we can to help get you through this. So we have something very special tonight. We actually have a special guest with us. We have someone who's going to come on here, do the post-game show with us. And I'm, I'm, I'm really glad this isn't uh, – it's just a live chat. It's not like a live audience like Ed Sullivan's show because I don't think I could handle all the all the teen girls screaming and things of that nature. Oh, they'd be throwing bras at you. Yes, day, because – here we go. Finally, the Beck has come back to BTSC with us tonight. We have one Michael Beck returning for his thoughts on this Steelers team this year. Well, and specifically tonight. Oh, Michael, how are you? Oh man, I, I don't know if I'm deserving of an intro like that, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing I'm doing quite well. I'm happy to be on the show tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm just I'm so glad that it could work out. We know you're a very busy guy with everything that you have doing. Why? Why? Um, hence why you've had to step away from BTSC, but. It just so happened to work out. I'm like, man, man, Michael was part of the West Coast guys that would do some of these. I'm like, wonder if he's working tonight. Yeah, let's see if Michael wants to come on in and talk. So uh, glad that you're here looking all, you know, smooth and trim and ready to go. And uh, it's it's really good to have you back. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here tonight, too. Uh, well, it would be nicer if it was after a better game, I think. But uh, it's kind of been the theme this year. So I would have been, uh, I think, more lucky than anything to uh, have come on for a win. But regardless, happy to be here. Yeah, but we felt like that win was coming. Here, before we before we miss it, already we've got $5 in the tip jar from Tom Muir. Thank you very much, Tom. And he says, oof. Well, he isn't Ben Roethlisberger. Two interception, or three, no, two, three interception games in 10 quarters. It's going to be a long year, Steelers fans. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and not get into it right away. It's one Kenneth Shane Pickett, another three interception game and a loss by the Steelers. We'll start it off with bad. Bad. Are you are, are you laying this one on the Steelers rookie? Mostly, yeah. Yeah, I, I have to. Three interceptions, two games in a row. Um, by the way, Dave, as the podcast producer, I have got to mandate that no Shane, no Shane this week. It's just Kenny Pickett. Can't have no. that middle name. Um <laughs> So you know, no. I get called by my middle name when I'm in trouble. It's yeah, in that, trouble that, that's, that's, <laughs> at BTSC. You know that, that's that's yeah, a special okay. thing. Um, you, you know what? I'm not. I'm not anywhere near the point where I'm like, oh, this is a lost pick. This is this is bad. This is growing pains. This is Peyton Manning had those rough years. He did not 
go crazy his rookie year. A, a lot of these guys didn't. There's a lot of brilliance to his game. There's a lot to be excited about. It did not happen this week. But on the Mike Tomlin postgame press conference, it was asked about him running instead of throwing the ball. And maybe he should have thrown the ball. And Mike Tomlin only said, you said it, I didn't. But that's what a lot of people are thinking. Look, it's growing pains. He's he's going to figure it out. But yeah, I you got to lay the, the loss there. All right, Michael, here we go. We get to hear your thoughts for the first time here. On Kenny Pickett, what what do you have to say? I, I have a hard time laying all the blame at his feet. Uh, I, so early in this game, there were so many mistakes, I would say, in the play calling. The, the, the lack of plays over the middle of the field has been a theme for the last number of years, and it's just painfully hard to watch. Um, a lot a lot of the too cute stuff with the double reverse came out of nowhere. A lot of mental errors on, on penalties that really killed this team. Uh, but ultimately, Kenny Pickett at the end there, he looked so good driving the ball into scoring territory. But that interception was just such a poor decision. It, it was like the guts and glory, like chuck and pray type of uh, like decision. It just wasn't a good decision there. And it, it seems that he, he kind of does that in some situations. It's almost like he kind of abandons what's the, the safe play and just tries to make the big play which is pretty typical from a rookie quarterback. But at the same time, like the guy's 24, he's been a starter in college for a number of years. You would think he's a little more mature than that at this point, but it's kind of been a theme of his young career just at some point in each game, kind of getting a little tired, I guess, of playing too safely and trying to make enforce a big play. And that's kind of what happened at the end of the game there. Yeah, that one was tough because it's funny because I'm watching the game by myself the whole time, and there and at the two minute warning, uh, my my wife comes downstairs and she's watching. She's like, "Oh, they're losing. Oh, wait, they have the ball. Oh, everything." And and on that, and she's and she says, "Who you know her her football knowledge goes as far as um, she watched me coach, and that was it. And, you know, and, and cheered from the stands. No idea what the, what they were going, what was the the kids were doing, but she said." Could he just run past that yellow line? And I'm like, yeah, the only question there was if he would have got out of bounds and how quickly that, you know, they, they could have maybe if he didn't get up and spike it. I understand if he felt like he couldn't get out of bounds. It, when he throws the pick, it's easy to say, man, you should have run it. If he completes that for a touchdown, you're like, oh, everyone thought he was going to run and he didn't. It's that's that's the difference there. That's the difference with a lot of it. But let, let's bring up this one now. We've got uh, five dollars from the tip jar from Tyler W. He says, "What offensive mastermind calls forty-four passes to twenty-three runs in the middle of a flipping downpour?" The guy sitting nice and dry up in the in a box watching the game. Now, did it seem like it was a downpour the whole time? I mean, it didn't seem like it. It wasn't even supposed to rain in Miami, according to my weather update that I gave on our last minute thoughts podcast. But, uh, um, Brian, do you have a problem with the ratio of pass to run in this one, the way it played out? No. I uh, actually wanted them to throw the ball more. <laughs> you know, look, it, you know, maybe my eyes are bad, but I didn't notice the driving rain until either Tariko or Collins were said it, that it was raining. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a driving rain. They said just some more rain coming down, one of those typical South Florida nights. 
Uh, how about you, Mike? What, what do you think of the, of the run-to-pass ratio throughout the game? Oh, it, it's tough to say. Uh, like, you'd want them to run the ball more when you have a rookie quarterback, but, like, Najee Harris has been struggling this year. Of course, he's battling that injury. I, I've liked what I've seen a, a bit from Jalen Warren early on, but it still seems like the, the push just isn't quite there yet from these run blockers. It, it's definitely better from last year, and I, I know that's something we well, really did speak about a lot, but... Um, I think this running game is still a work in progress, and oftentimes it's those two, two and a half, three yard uh, runs, which in today's NFL, especially early on in this game, you didn't think was going to be enough, and, and you really didn't need to throw the ball a lot. But uh, the, the difference here is I, I don't want to see the the amount of throws b- before the line of scrimmage or shortly thereafter, which is has kind of just again been another one of these themes for this offense, which just doesn't seem to fit the mold of today's NFL, like. If they're going to throw up the ball that many times, I want to see them drive it a little bit more. Thankfully, it wasn't the uh, embarrassing level screen plays that we've seen. But the other thing I'd want to add is the amount of just like outside toss plays, aside from uh, the running back uh, uh, sweeps, the, the toss has just been an awful play for the Steelers offense. It seems like any time they're trying to get to a running back outside of the tackle box, it's a loss of three, four, five, six, seven yards. It is painful to watch. So, in that sense, as the running game is trying to figure itself out, I'm okay with throwing the ball more, but I still don't like the route tree that they're running. So it's it's an answer where you do if you, <laughs> you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. But this team just needs to find more of a groove and be able to run a little bit more play action, almost to throw to set up the run, which is a weird way to go about it. But I think that's something they need to look at doing. To me, it all comes down to what can you do. I mean, well, balance isn't about running the same number of plays of each. Coach Tom talks about this often. It's it's your ability to do either of them successfully for whatever you need to do. Um, I was more a little bit frustrated. Obviously, they're going to be passing the ball a lot. In the next to last drive, yeah, but especially in the last one, I was kind of frustrated with how many short pass plays they were running to start that two-minute drive at the end. It wasn't until on you know fourth down and they push it down the field, down the middle to Frermuth, did it really seem like they were taking a shot. The only other time they were pushing it down the field then was the interception. So here we got another $2 from Tom Muir who says, um, he says his last two INTs were high school level mistakes. Um, we'll start with Michael on this one. Do you think those were high school level mistakes? I would say the last one definitely like high school level is pretty harsh, especially considering they're NFL athletes. But, uh, that last throw was just a bad mistake. It seemed like a player pretty much putting the game down to one throw, which really Mm -hmm. shouldn't have been the case. And something you can't be doing in the NFL. The first interception was a really good play by Holland. Um, but yeah, I don't love that throw either, but I wouldn't call that one a high school level mistake. The mm. second pick, yeah, that one was hard to watch. Now, Brian, what what are your thoughts there on on the interceptions? You know, I don't. I'm not going to call them high school level mistakes either. You know, they were mistakes. They were more rookie mistakes, and that's that. Look, we're not we're not slamming this guy. You don't go out and start talking about a number one pick of a quarterback right now. No, it's week seven. What I saw with Kenny Pickett and that last drive of the game, a guy that was not trying to make mistakes, he was trying to lead his team, but he stopped his instincts to run because he was worried about the clock. You could mm-hmm. tell the clock 
was weighing on his mind and he was trying to do the right thing the whole way and he does not have the experience in this avenue at this juncture in his career it's coming yeah <laughs> i mean i'm excited about kenny pickett still but i'm you know at the end of the day with everything that went on there was nothing too egregious in this game except for some penalties that were undisciplined but as far as i'm concerned you know kenny pickett if he would have followed his instincts and just went with it and just did what he did to get at this get to this point in his career to get to the pros i i think that could have been a different story there yeah um ultimately what i want to see is on that last interception you don't from the TV, I went back and watched it again several times on, on the TV angle, and you just you can't see what's going on in the end zone at the time he throws the ball. So you don't know if he was throwing thinking Deontay's going to break one way and he breaks the other, something of that nature. I I can't really dissect that one um right now just because we don't we don't have the view and the angle of it, in my opinion. Um the the other one, see what hurts so bad on that. It's that whole sequence where they ended up, you know, third and one. He sneaks for what would have been the first down, I believe. It would have been close. They, they didn't really even spot the ball because I assumed that it was, it would have been a first down or else they might have thought about declining it. Um, all because of the whole illegal shifting. Then you got the offensive hold. Jeffrey Benedict hated that call. You know, that's the, that's the way you block guys all the time. And whenever the quarterback went the other way, Danmore let him go. That's what Jeffrey had a problem with. He's like, he let him go, which makes that not, you know, not normally a, a hold, but they called it. You can't say that he wasn't holding. Um, I know people were continually getting frustrated with the, um, with the illegal man downfield. If you pay attention, if you've been watching games, they've been calling. It's rare that I've seen a game that, I ha that hasn't been called on a team. It's been happening all the time. It's just one of those things that they're making sure that they do that this year. But for the interceptions, it's just, whew, you know they're going to be coming with a rookie quarterback because you're going to make mistakes and you need to learn from those mistakes. So you look at the stat line, and the stat line, it's, it's kind of like the cut and paste component is the cut and paste component. The stat line is the stat line. It is three interceptions. Does it matter that Chase Claypool got his feet tangled and they even said that that should have been called pass interference? No, it still goes down as interception. Was that Kenny Pickett trying to make a play to win the game? Yeah, but he still had a few more plays that he could have done. So you, you've got to think about that. You, you don't want to talk. You don't want to, you know, dismiss them because they were all three costly interceptions. Almost as costly as the ones that the Steelers didn't have. It, um, but I've got some more to bring up here before we really dive into the rest of the stuff. Um, this is Young and Wood Burning, $5 into the tip jar. Says, hey, fam, I listen to every show, but uh, first time catch alive in a while. Hit fair moves sooner than the last two minutes. Hit the middle. O-line looks good. I think the O-line looks good. Michael, what do you think of so far of the Steelers' O-line as it's been going on? Just real quick here before we grab some more of these other Super Chats. Yeah, no, it's improved. Um, week one, I was hesitant. I was very concerned about the new additions of Mason Cole and James Daniels. But as time's gone by, it seems like Daniels has kind of got, I hate to say it, but played himself in a shape almost. Uh, he's starting to look like the, the guard he really should have been uh, when he was signed from the get-go. Mason Cole... Battling that injury also looks pretty good. Uh, Dan Moore's held himself uh, up against some pretty solid uh, 
uh, competition. No, obviously not an amazing left tackle. I'd say the same kind of goes for Chooks. He, he's held his own. Uh, Kevin Dotson, obviously a horrible game last week. Um, didn't really notice him today, which is usually a good thing when you're watching offensive line play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just in general, they have been getting better. So if there's anything we can take from it, it's a heck of a lot better than last year, and they are improving week by week this year. Brian, offensive line? Much better. I'm thinking Michael said it well. I like what this offensive line is doing. Yeah, they're able to run the ball. They're protecting Kenny Pickett for the most part. You know, they're not the problem right now. Yeah, and I mean, what happens with the offensive line is they – Basically, if you have a bad play, you considered being having a bad game. Oh, Dan Moore Jr. got called on that hold. No, he had a terrible game. He had a lot of plays that weren't. Even last week with uh, Kevin Dotson, with all those bad plays that he had, he also still had some good ones in there as well. Um, and and he had more good than bad, but those bad ones really stand out in a in a bad time, just like even the ones with with tonight and the you know the illegal man downfield, which wasn't on Chooks, that was on um James Daniels, um, and then the 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 hold. But I expected the offensive line to be what would be holding this offense back. They are not. If anything, they're something that they, they need to use more. Uh, here's Tom with another $10. Uh, I think this is his last $10. He says, for the record, I love everything about KP8 except his rookie-level mistakes. Those of us around for 2004 were spoiled. I'm excited for the future, but the present is going to be tough. Now I'm broke. Yeah, you have to admit, Ben Roethlisberger in his rookie year had a much, much better situation to where he wasn't asked to have to do as much as like what Kenny Pickett had to do tonight, in my opinion. You know, he had the defense, he had the, the he had a real strong run game to lean on and things of that nature. Um, but it's just all gotta come together. And and when people were wanting to go to Kenny Pickett, go to Kenny Pickett, and I'm like, remember, it's like you're starting your season over. I'm glad the Steelers went to Kenny Pickett when they did, but it's almost like you've got a you're hitting the reset button on the offense and you're and, and Pickett's third third start is like your third game of the season, but you're playing it in week seven. Um and 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 that's just kind of how it works. Here, I'm gonna go ahead and bring up the next one. We've got um we got Canuck Bucks. Here we go. 699. It says Kenny showed his brilliance in parts of the game and seems like a real fighter. It's going to be a case of being patient and trusting the process. Brian, what do you think of that one? Yeah, you know, it, it, that's really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I I want to go back to Tom Yor. I agree with Tom completely, too, because that rookie situation with Ben Roethlisberger is completely different. Like you said, Dave, what we're seeing now. I really think Kenny Pickett is going to be phenomenal. I think he's got to go through. He, he's got to learn on the job. He's learning on yeah. the fly. He's not getting the Mahomes treatment where you could sit there behind Alex Smith for 16 games in the next year, come and blow it out and be amazing. So, you know, don't, no one's getting down on Kenny Pickett from the three of us here. They're just, but when we say that you got to put it on his shoulders. Yeah. And you know what? Taking a loss like this and and of course in his press conference, you know, he's taking responsibility for the loss. He's not running away from it. This is what makes him stronger. This is what makes him a better quarterback. 
All right, Michael, what do you, what do you think of the of what of both what Alexander? I didn't even say Alex. I didn't even bring up the name Alexander Pert. Sorry, Alexander. Um, and and what Brian has to say there about you know being patient with uh, with the process with Kenny Pickett. You better get his name right for putting in those Canuck bucks. So I, I mean, Alexander, yeah. you, you need your shout out. But uh, <laughs> oh, Kenny, it's it, it is really tough. Like we we're hoping Mitch Trubisky was going to be that Alex Smith for him. Obviously, it, a, a lot of struggles early on, and the Steelers had no option but to turn to him. I, I think we kind of saw the writing on that wall coming for a, a number of weeks there, and the transition obviously happens. Uh, there is going to be some struggles. The one thing that I keep getting hung up on though is the fact that he's still 24 which is old like fairly old for rookie in general and at this rate he needs to progress quicker than someone that is entering the league at like 20 years old like a Justin Fields who's someone that you could give a little bit bit more rope to because when he came in the NFL he's just so young you can still give him some leash Kenny by the time of his rookie deal expiring he's going to be 29 years old like that is pretty old for a for a guy looking for a second contract when that comes, obviously that's years from now, but mm-hmm. um, I just want to see him grow by the week. Like I want to see the development happening. I, like I'm not complaining about him right now. Um, obviously the interceptions is going to be what is left in our minds from this game. There's a lot of good things. There is a will to fight. The guy does not quit. The guy takes hits, gets up, laughs and chucks the ball down the field. The next play, like nothing happened. He laughs in the face of blitz. He is a solid young player, but just given his age from where he is, where he's drafted, he just needs to continue to progress. And he's got to do it a little bit quicker than someone that is younger than him that has that option of sitting behind a a more veteran guy. See, to me, when it comes to his age, it's not. I, I kind of look at it from the from the other side of the spectrum, and that is, I don't care how old he's going to be when his when his rookie contract's up. I don't care if it you know let's say the Steelers deemed that he wasn't ready this year if he would have sat for the entire year. I don't care if he's twenty four versus twenty two because for quarterbacks you can have a longer career like that. You if if you're a corner and you're going to be 29 going into your second contract, that's a big difference than when it would be with a quarterback because we could see quarterbacks playing into their late 30s or or who knows. One, it's funny. Everyone's talking talks about how the how, how the quarterback the Steelers faced last week is going to play until he's 70. But uh, after watching them today, I don't know if he's going to play till the end of the season. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in there. But to me, with Kenny Pickett, his the thing about his age and being older and going back for another year of college isn't as much about how old he's going to be at the end of his contract. Uh, is he has more experience than other players that have come in at quarterback in the league. So you're hoping that the learning curve would go faster. So I, I while I, I agree with the overall statement, the way that I'm getting there for me, I look at it different as not as, hey, he's 24, he needs to get going because he's going to be 29 and five, you know, at the end, if they pick up the fifth year option. To me, it's, hey, he's 24, he has all these college uh, years and starts and everything. I'd like to see him be a little bit, you know, be able to pick it up faster. I'm not saying he should even be farther than what he is right now, but that's what we'll say. I'm going to throw this one out here one, one more time real quick. Tyler W., $2 in the tip jar. Thank you. He says, I'm actually curious, why motion or a quarterback sneak? Michael, you 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 coached college football last year. Why motion or a quarterback sneak? Uh, you do it because you want to 
try to move and influence the defense. Um, yep. If you if you can get those uh, linebackers out of the way, or uh, maybe shift the defensive line to a look that looks uh, a little bit better for you, for uh, just the ability to slant your offensive line a certain direction. Uh, you do it for a number of reasons, and if they don't move, and all of a sudden you have a guy wide open, why take the QB sneak? Audible out, throw a quick pass get these yards. Um, there's a number of reasons why you, you run motion on every play uh, to tip the defense's hand. But in the QB sneak situation, basically what you're looking for is that run lane. Where is it going to be? And, and you hope to catch them moving when you snap the ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To that it, I couldn't really say it. Brian, do you have anything? I, I love that was the answer I was looking for. Three words, <laughs> keeping them honest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's not, and and it doesn't mean that it has to be that they're thinking it's going to be a pass. They still have to defend everything, so that's part of it. So let's let's get in here and let's really start to to look at these things like we try to do here at the post game show. Um, first thing we're going to look at is let's look. I'm going to change it up. Let's start off with the Steelers' defense, and let's look at some of the stats here uh, with the Steelers' defense. This was rough. the Steelers gave up 13 points in the first quarter 13 points in the first quarter they gave up going back to it hold on I'm, I'm i'm trying to make sure i have it here they gave up 165 yards in the first quarter but for the entire game they only gave up 372 yards so they gave up roughly i'm going to say a little more a little bit more than 40 percent of of the offense and the yards everything came in the first quarter when it comes to the defense, I mean, um, let, here, let me get some of these stats here that, that we generally do. I know we break it down sometimes into the – we'll break it down into more. Let's get overall general stuff on the defense versus how they started versus how the, this game finished. Just your your overall thoughts on the defense. We'll start with Brian on this one. Well, let me just put it this way. When Kenny Pickett threw that interception – and Miami got the ball back. I looked at the clock and I'm like, all right, not worried. They're going to get the stop because you just felt it in that entire, even in the second quarter, you felt late in the second quarter, you felt like the defense was going to get the stop. You felt like they were, every single man there was tuned in. The problem was they just didn't have hands. Yeah, we'll get, we'll talk about that too. Michael, overall thoughts on the defense and the progression as they went through on the night. Uh, Obviously, we're going to get into that uh, that certain stat uh, when we uh, when we start breaking yeah. them down. But <laughs> yeah. uh, the other thing that's been outstanding to me, and I don't mean that in a good sense. I mean it jumps off the page. The page is the lack of sacks, the lack of pass rush. Without T.J. Watt, my word, is it awful. I know Alex Highsmith leads the league in sacks, but you probably wouldn't know it if you're outside of Pittsburgh. Uh, it's it's been so hard to watch the last couple of weeks. I, I think over the last three games, if I'm not mistaken, they have one sack. If I'm not wrong, the last three games, um, uh, they it, got they got two last week. They did have two last week. Okay. I remember because I, thought it was I took zero to the zero. under, didn't I, Brian? Yes, you did. <laughs> and it was one of one and a half. So yeah, so it was two last week. But yeah, so it's been it's been hard to watch. Um, quarterbacks just standing there in the pocket to a tag of Iloa. Obviously, you're not headhunting a guy because he's he's come off a couple of concussions in a row, but you think he would have some sort of happy feet in that backfield and you'd be able to tee off. The blitz isn't getting home. One-on-one pass rushers aren't getting home. What are they doing with Malik Reed? Like, 
you couldn't even tell that the guy's on the field and he's the starter and playing majority of the snaps. That's the biggest thing to me. This defense's pass rush has been abysmal since TJ Watts gotten hurt and they got to find something and relying on TJ to get healthy. Isn't really the answer. They need a, they need something more than just TJ Watt being healthy. So let's go ahead and talk about that pass rush here. Um, the Steelers, uh, zero sacks, one quarterback hit. And believe it or not, that one hit was the only stat under Malik Reed. He didn't have a tackle otherwise, but he had the one quarterback hit for the Steelers. Uh, I'm pretty sure all their passes defense were were um, were not where they were knocked down at the line, um, where they were credited with any of those. So, uh, Brian, um, how do you, overall thoughts on the Steelers' pass rush? It was invisible. No, I mean, it wasn't there. You know, you gotta you gotta shake this guy. And when you have a quarterback that is coming off an injury the way he is, and he's saying he's gonna go with a quick release, that's I get it, but you can still make him scared. And when he's in that position, if you can try to flush him off and get get him a little bit antsy, you know, you did yourself a disservice by not rattling him. All you needed to do was rattle Tua, and he could have been off of his game, but they couldn't get even close. Yeah. Michael, anything you want to add to that since you you kind of talked about it somewhat? I don't want to keep bagging on Malik (laughs) Reed, but my word, like that trade, and since he's been kind of forced in the starting lineup, I was expecting so much more from a guy that led the Broncos in sacks last year. It's kind of amazing that he was able to do that, and let alone that, the guy, you don't even notice him on the field. The, the pockets are far too clean. And it, it makes you wonder, like, like I'm not going to rag on Cam Hayward because he is a stud on his own right, but how many of those sacks in his career would he have if the Steelers never took T.J. Watt, if uh, if things went different and Taco Charlton wasn't the, the Cowboys pick and all of a sudden the Steelers flip-flopped that? Mm-hmm. Uh, stats, how, how do they change? Like, obviously, T.J. Watt is a phenomenal player, but the guy – he should be the league MVP, honestly. If yeah. he comes back and the Steelers start winning all these games, not only is he the best defensive player in the world, but heck, he's probably the best player in general. The guy has been winning games for the Steelers for a number of years now. And yeah. when he's gone, they lose. Yeah. They, they're one and nine without him in the lineup. Like that's just crazy to me. Yeah. Well, Malik Reed, you know, coming from from the Broncos and and the you know kind of the the low down on him when he came in was hey he's a good rotational guy to add into the mix you just hope you don't have to call on him to start and what happened right away so and 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 you're exactly right where you just you don't even really notice that he's out there a lot um didn't see a lot of Alex Highsmith tonight you know he got some pressure a few times but he was he was kind of uh the the same way Let, let's look at the run defense here of the dolphins for the for the, for the game they they had 27 carries for 111 yards that's a 4.1 average their leading rusher was uh was Raheem uh, Mostert with 16 carries for 79 yards with a 4.9 average. Uh, Chase Edmonds added uh, seven carries for 17 yards, 2.4 average. And Tua, uh, Tua I always screw up the last name, so I'll just say it. He added four rushes for 15 yards. Um, what uh, We'll start with, with Brian here. What's your thoughts on the overall with the Steelers' rush defense? You know, I 
those stats, 117 yards, that people are going to might 111, get of, yeah. 111 might get bent out of shape about that. Mm-hmm. But for you to look for Tua to only have 15 yards, he's usually the guy, you know, keeping you honest and and killing you. I mean, they they didn't not allow a hundred yard rusher, but I thought in the second half, like I said before. They could run the ball. It could be third and one, fourth and one. I wasn't worried. When they lined up for fourth and one and did not make it, I was laughing because I said before, you're not going to – I'm talking to nobody because I'm watching the game by myself. I'm talking (laughs) to the dog. I'm like, hey, Dobby, the dog. I mean, they're not going to make this. This is a stupid decision, and it almost bit them. Yeah, and and another thing to note is that out of those 111 yards rushing that they had, 54 of them came in the first quarter. So you're talking just about half of their rushing yards were in the first quarter. So so through three quarters, they held them to 57 yards. Um, Michael, did you just kind of feel like it was a, a two different games when it came to the defense between the first quarter and the other three? Uh, the announcer said it all night. I, I really was expecting it to be like a 50 to three game yeah. after the first quarter. It was it, there was a stark difference. I know we love to rag on uh, coaching for this team. And by all means, when we get to the offensive side of the ball, I will rip who is deservedly to be ripped. But they made adjustments. They held them to 16 points. In the NFL, if you can hold your your opponent to 16 damn points, how do you lose in today's NFL? It it is crazy to me that that's not like – it's almost a theme for this team. But it really was a very good performance for the defense, especially because they held them to three points. In three quarters after that first quarter abomination that we had to sit there and witness, it it was a stark contrast. And the run defense certainly got better. And those 57 yards over the last three quarters, I want to say there's like three runs that popped off for like Mm -hmm. at least 10 yards too. So aside from what happened in the first quarter, most of rushing yards in the second quarter or second half, I guess the, the last three quarters of the game, I want to see came on like three runs. So it really was a good performance by the run D. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Montrevious Adams, Cam Hayward, really can't say enough about them. And honestly, Devin Bush and Miles Jack do deserve some credit in this game too. Devin Bush specifically as well. I, I know he's had some rough goes the last, uh, what, year and a half now, but this was a good game for him, and he has been uh, stacking some decent games in a row here. So I wanted to give him a shout-out. Yeah, when it, when it comes to Devin Bush, to me it's – you don't always notice the notice defenders when, when, when various things are going on, but when you do notice them, you want to notice them in a good way. And when I was noticing Devin Bush tonight, I was noticing it in a good way. Brian, can anything you want to say about Bush? No, I'm, I'm pleased with the way he has, uh, he has not wilted. And the reason I say wilted is because he started to play better and he continues to play better and he's going to continue to get the criticism. Because, you know, he's got that, basically that scarlet letter from people can't forget last year and this year. And it it seems like every time something goes wrong, somebody finds a way to go ahead and say it's Bush. One of my favorite people in the world, one of my my, uh, cohorts on The Hangover, Shannon White, is going to, the first time he makes a mistake, he's going to put it basically in all caps on our Slack channel and say that Bush did this wrong. Yep. I was going to say, Bush must have played pretty well tonight because we didn't hear from Shannon. We didn't hear a thing. <laughs> so that's all That's all you've got to know. If Shannon's not, and I'm not ripping on Shannon, I'm just saying if Shannon's not bringing it up, then, 
you, you got to be impressed with what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's several things you got to do when it comes to Shannon. You know, he's every time every um every time Devin Bush uh does something that's that's not up to the quality that should be, we're going to hear about it. And every time Mark Robinson takes a breath of air, we're going to hear about how wonderful he is. So uh, here we go to, to go on to the past defense. Uh, Brian liked that one. Um, we got, we got $2 from steel dog 88 into the tip jar. Says it me or did Levi Wallace look incredibly slow? Let's look at the Steelers at, at, at the Steelers uh, past defense. Oh, wait a second. I think we also had, I think we had a, another $2 one here, but didn't have a comment um, from, from uh, Dennis. Paul Volk had two dollars. If if I see a comment, Brian, if you see a comment from him, point it out to me. Right. Um, just just as we're going, because I don't want to lose that. But uh, let, let's go ahead and look at the pass defense. And of course, the Steelers logged me out of the media stats. So I will be back in just a second. And there we are. We are back. Um, so for for when it, the passing game, uh, to a past, he had 35 attempts, 21 completions, 261 yards. Uh, one touchdown, no interceptions. That is a 92.7 rating. When it came to the to 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 the to the receivers, the leading receiver for the Dolphins was actually Jalen Waddle, four receptions for 88 yards. Uh, Tyree Kill had seven receptions for 72 yards. Uh, Raheem Mostert had uh, 40, or sorry, four catches for 30 yards. Um, Trent Sherfield. That not Schofield, Sherfield had uh, three three catches for forty four, and Mike Kosicki had three for twenty seven. Overall, when it came to the pass defense, what I mean, I, I feel like it was a tale of two games, and it would you know a lot of times we say it's the tale of two halves. The Steelers made their adjustment either late in the first quarter, or early in the second quarter, and completely changed what they were doing. And you didn't have guys running open in the middle of the field where it just looked like it was going to be another, you know, uh, 35-point 30, loss going into it. So uh, we'll, we'll start with Michael. What was your overall um, impressions of the Steelers' pass defense to start and then how they transitioned it through the game? Yeah, when the game first started, uh, again, uh, boat race was uh, the word I heard a, a couple times. Um, I, I really thought the game was going to get so far out of hand. I was worried going into it with the speed of both Waddle and Hill. Like, there's no DB that, that's running stride for stride, or really anyone on the team with those guys. They're they're pure four two, pure speed, stud players. Thankfully, the Steelers didn't get them uh, get themselves in big trouble having either of those guys running past them. I, I was waiting for that 80-yard bomb to happen. It, it never did, mm. which is, I'd say, the number number one reason why this game was uh, as low-scoring as it was. Yeah. But ultimately, I, I thought the coverage was pretty good. They did a good job as the game uh, went on uh, of keeping plays in front of them, tackling uh, guys before the sticks. Uh, earlier in the game, uh, those chunk plays, uh, the Steelers definitely changed what coverage they were in. Uh, but my word, that stark difference between the first and second quarter hit hard and it, it changed for the better. If it was the other way around, that, that oh, game yeah. would have been ugly. But uh, yeah, no, it, it's it worked out for the Steelers and they looked pretty good in coverage tonight. Yeah, well, I, I found the next comment from, from Dennis who had put the $2 into the tip jar. He says, well, the three dropped interceptions didn't help, especially Sutton. I counted four. If you want to also count um, the one where, where Levi Wallace got hurt. Brian, other than the – I feel like the dropped interceptions are going to be something that kind of, you know, linger over top this what otherwise was, I thought, a very good um, defensive performance 
when it came to the pass defense through the final three quarters of this game. Uh, how how much how much do you put on on good defense, but also what could have been with with the dropped interceptions? Let's separate those two because you've got to be excited because even though those are four dropped interceptions, that's four pass breakups. Yeah. That's four passes defensed. So, you know, I'll go ahead and I'm not going to give you a complete pass on that. I'm just going to say, no, great job by Mm -hmm. this defense, especially the pass defense. I was confident in them too, but here's the problem. You cannot keep your balls on the bus. You could not be late. And that's what yeah. they were. They were late to the party. When you come late to the party, everybody's dancing. And then you got to try to cut in. When you cut in, when the Steelers try to cut in, they cut in way too late. Yeah. When you kind of spot them 10 points to start the game before you figure out what you're going to do defensively and you lose by six. Yikes. You know, it, 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 it really was a problem. Um, and those, and, and the drops and the drops were big now, like, and some bigger than others. For example, the Cam Sutton one at the end of the first half, um, that, uh, you know, they you know, led, led to three points. It would have, it would have saved a field goal, but I, I'll be honest. I don't know if Miami was going, I mean, maybe they kicked that field goal to go up six and not just three when, when, when they went for it on fourth down in the third quarter and it still would have been the same score. I don't know, but there was several key moments uh, with, with, with the dropped interceptions, but I'm just surprised how well some of those guys uh, stuck with the speed. Like, my goodness, that play, Terrell Edmonds, I'm not calling that a drop there because he was just getting his head around and hit off his hand. But sticking with Tyreek Hill running down the sidelines, I thought Devin Bush had some nice plays where he stayed with receivers. Um, Michael, I didn't get to let you talk about the dropped interceptions, but also those other plays. Anything more you want to say about it? The, the only thing I'd add, and it, it's, it's tough playing that what-if game, but if Sutton, that only interception alone there, if it's a 13-10 game, the Steelers probably kick the field goal, uh, mm-hmm. play a little more conservative down the other end, tie it at 13 instead of that uh, second interception. And then what? If the exact same drive happens, they're probably telling Kenny not to force it to the end zone. You're, you're in scoring range. Now let's just run the ball, deflate this clock, kick the game-winning field goal, and get out of here. Like It's plays like that mm-hmm. it, it, at this level. You have to make plays. And the fact that it wasn't just one drop pick, ultimately mm-hmm. it, it goes down as four which is more than any team has had this year in a single game. You you have to make plays at this level. You're in the NFL because you are a playmaker and you probably dominated every single league you were in prior to this. Just because you're in the NFL, if the ball's hitting you in, in the hands, between the chest, in the numbers, you, you got to make that play. If they made one, two, three of those interceptions, it probably is a, a different outcome tonight. So in that sense, it is painful. But uh, I, I liked what the DBs did as a whole, but you got to finish. That's the difference between a great team and an average team, or in the Steelers' case right now, a below-average team. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest things is, is we're going to get ready to trans, trans, uh, transition over to the offense is when you have a rookie quarterback, you have a young quarterback, you have to come through for him in every situation that you can. The receivers can't drop passes. Okay. Uh, the, anytime you can get 
a takeaway, you've got to come through with that takeaway. Anytime you can set up a short field or something like that, or 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 take that score off the board, that helps out your every little thing. You can always even go back to being your young quarterback. Um, for those of you that this is something that that uh, came about this week that we're uh, we need to do through SB Nations. We got to make sure that we uh, have a quick commercial break. This is our first post game show that we do it. Uh, you're here on YouTube, Facebook. You know, we're not going anywhere. We're just pausing for a second. But when we come back from this break, for those of you on the audio side, we will be turning and looking at the offense. So stick around. And we are back, Steelers fans. We are ready to roll into the offense, or maybe we should say lack thereof, that only comes up with 10 points on the night. Let's start, you know, let's start with the running game. The Pittsburgh Steelers had uh, uh, ran 23 times for 95 yards, a 4.1 average. Uh, Najee Harris rushed for 65 yards on 17 carries. Once again, 17 carries for, for Najee Harris. Can't can't get him to that to that 20 number. Uh Kenny Pickett. Ran for uh, three times for 20 yards, but what's going to be talked about a lot was what the 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 fourth running attempt that wasn't. Uh, Jalen Warren only had two rushing attempts for seven yards, and Deontay Johnson uh, had one rush for three yards. So, uh, Michael, did were the Steelers getting enough from their rushing attack in order to to maybe possibly have run the ball more throughout the night? I think the answer to that is simply no. Um, Najee Harris is obviously battling that foot injury still. Uh, he just doesn't look as explosive. And the Steelers right now need a running back that could churn out four to five yard carries every time they touch the ball. Just enough to, to really shift that play card and be able to um, really pick up first downs time after time, which is something they've struggled with this year. I need more out of Najee. Uh, I need him to get healthy, and if not, I, I need him to battle. And if, if he can't do that, I really like what I've been seeing out of Jalen Warren. When they turn to him on fourth down, he's picking up those yards. He's excellent in pass pro. I am just amazed by how good he has been considering the way he's gotten to the NFL. I, I really like what I've seen out of him. The other thing I would like to see more of is Kenny Pickett, like maybe even some design runs. He is an athlete. Um, if he's rushing the ball five to 10 times a game. I know that's a fairly substantial number that is going to keep defense defenders so much on their toes, keeping a spy in the box, more one-on-ones. Like if you can get George Pickens one-on-one, just running go routes all game long, you could live with that. Like that is, he is such a talented stud when it comes to going up and getting the football. If you can force defenses to have to shift to, prepare for your quarterback running the football, which is something you, when you watch Baltimore or the Steelers just play Baltimore, one of those linebackers in the box the entire game just watching Lamar Jackson. If that's what you can get out of the Steelers, that just makes every facet of the rest of your team so much better. So I want to see some more design runs for Kenny. I want to see him be able to take off with the ball more often, but also when it comes to just running the ball as a whole, I want some more success from Najee Harris, which hopefully as he gets healthier and his time goes by is something we'll see. Brian, your overall thoughts on the Steelers run game and even um, what, if you, what you thought of Najee Harris tonight. It's showing in the live chat what he averaged 3.8 yards. And I thought he had some nice burst early. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is he's just not getting to the chains 
you know, a hundred percent of the time on third down on second down, it seems like you're getting to third and shorts and you're not getting off. You're just going immediately off the field. You're not moving the chains. So he's, uh, he's on the move, but he's not quite there yet. I'm not, I'm not calling this. I'm not calling for his job. Definitely. Um, but you're not getting exactly what you want out of him. I'd also like to see the uh, the offensive scheme look at him more as a receiver, and they're just not doing that enough. I think he could be very damaging, you know, with those little screen passes from the running backs. I, uh, you know, he has the ability to make that work, especially if you're doing a swing pass to him. I think you're going to get a whole lot more out of him. But they're just not calling his number in that in that realm. They did it like maybe I think once today. Well, well Najee Harris for for the game, he had three catches for 15 yards, but he had one catch for 12 yards early on. Like his first one was for 12. So the next two went for a total of three yards. And he was targeted four times. And it'll be interesting to see when it when it comes out. Um did did because it's not an official NFL stat like I say all the time. Did they call that other one a drop? Um, where where it was a one he should have had. He probably would have only gained a couple yards. My my thing when it comes to Najee Harris with the running game, I thought I saw at times. I felt that you could see a little bit more like what he was last year, um, but not all the time. Part of it was some of those crazy runs that they were called those 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 toss those tosses they were i know michael doesn't like those uh that they were running i i thought some of their choice of run plays was a little bit um questionable but the other thing that that i didn't understand was for Najee himself it was it was like a it was like a third and three and he and in the middle of the field he he tries to to leap and he, and he doesn't make it, and he ends up – they end up punting because they were a yard short. I know there were several times there that you kind of wanted the Steelers to go for it, but the defense was getting the stop, so I understand why they didn't. Um, but I'm like, man, I would just love for him to – rather than try to go up and over someone, when it's when it's third and three and you're getting the ball, man, just try to – just run them over. You know, just put, put your shoulder down and reach for it. I mean, uh, one of them was, a, was I think – was. Did he have a pass play that he was trying to 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 reach for the for the first down and just couldn't do it? Um, another one of those. I, I feel like that's one thing. I feel like he's getting denied the sticks right now more than what we saw last year. Do you think that's fair, Michael? Or are you noticing any of that? Yeah, I, I wonder if it's partly the injury thing. Anytime someone's around his foot or his ankle, it seems like he's not willing to push for those sticks. Like, he's such a big body. You feel like he should be able, when he's getting tackled, to pick up two more yards for you every time, just based on how big he is and how solid he is. But ultimately, this year, it seems like for whatever reason, he's not fighting for that extra yard after contact. Yeah. And you hate to say it, but this is one of my things with drafting a running back in the first round, especially Najee Harris. He, again, another older player at a position where you get beat up. And once you're beat up, that that kind of starts your, your downturn. If he's already at that point where his body is unable to keep up with the physicality of the running back position, that, that's a bad, bad sign for the Steelers. Hopefully it's just because of his foot that he's currently nursing. And once that's better, he gets back to fighting for those yards. But if he's already so banged up, he can't do that. Whoo-wee, that is a... Uh, 
a nightmare scenario for the Steelers. Yeah, Brian, anything else you want to say here, Brian, or are we ready to move on to the to the passing game? Let's move on. All right, we'll go to the passing game because yeah, we're we're really we're it's it, it's late. It's it's we're we're getting into the very, very well. We're not getting to the two a.m. stories, but we're at least getting close to the one a.m. stories. But uh, uh, here we go. Here here, Kenny Pickett, forty four passing attempts, thirty two completions, two hundred and fifty seven passing yards. That's a five point eight average. Uh, which was compared to you know seven point five by Tua, one touchdown, three interceptions, sixty six point two rating. Um, let's go ahead and do all this with the receivers as well. The leading receiver for the Steelers um, in this one was Pat Fryermuth with uh, seventy five yards on eight receptions. Um, he was he was targeted nine times. Eight. The only time he didn't have the catch was the one that was tipped right before it got to him, and he still almost pulled that in. Uh, George Pickens he had sixty one yards on six receptions and his first touchdown. Uh, let's see who else had, had had the next most yards. Deontay Johnson forty two yards on five receptions. Chase Claypool forty one yards on five receptions. Uh, as I said before, Najee Harris added fifteen yards on three receptions. Uh, Jalen Warren had 17 yards on two receptions, and Connor Hayward had six yards on his one catch on the one time he was targeted. Overall, passing game between Kenny Pickett and the receivers. Michael, what's your what's your thoughts on on that tonight? Hey, it's almost undeniable that the Steelers have talent on offense. It's it's frustrating that they're putting up 10 points in a game, but they are they look talented like these guys. Look good. George Pickens looks like an absolute stud. He looks like a guy that could be like uh, right up there with your Jamar Chases or Justin Jeffersons as one of the best receivers in the league if, if things are drawn up properly to him. The issue for me, it all comes back to play calling and play design. The, the route tree is just horrendous for the Steelers. The, the lack of the middle of the field is crazy to me. The, the throws down the sideline, again, crazy to me. The throws before the line of scrimmage. Crazy to me. Stop me if you will, but it, it, it is it is just too much of the same old, same old for this offense right now. They have the talent to be able to stretch the field, push the ball in the middle of the field, run unders, run jump balls. They have huge bodies all over the field. Pat Farmuth, he should be wide open on every play underneath because you're so worried about all these other uh, big-time receivers being able to kill you when they get the ball and start making moves and getting around players and jumping over guys, which is what they should do. But we're not getting that. And why? To me, again, time and time again, it has to come back to this play calling, which has been an issue. And I, I, I hate to harp on it so much, but I think this is one of the reasons why this offense cannot take that step is because they don't have the right caller in, in, in place. And for me, I've defended the guy, but it, it, it's it's – it's at this point now where you've given him everything he's wanted and it's still not working for this offense. So something new has to happen. And I think play calling is what's holding this team back. Yeah. I, I, when it comes to play calling, I didn't think, uh, see, there's, it's such, it's such a balance of play calling and play execution. And I, I just, I just feel like some of the overall philosophies are sometimes 
holding holding the team back. It's like, can they get a first down without having to push to third down? Uh, sometimes, you know, that gets a little bit frustrating. I wanted to bring up something before I turn it to Brian. I missed one of the receivers because he had zero yards. Zach Gentry did have two receptions for zero yards because he had a four-yard reception and a minus four-yard reception. I have no idea why you're trying to throw it to Zach Gentry five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Um, that just doesn't seem like that's one that makes a lot of sense. But uh, Brian, passing game overall. Honey, we're not going to Bermuda this year. We're not taking a family vacation to the beach. You know why? Because I'm buying a monster truck. What happened to that monster truck you bought a couple last year in 2021? Why do you keep it in the garage? Eh, I guess I should drive that thing. That's what they're doing with Pat Fryermuth. And it's you know what? It's ticking me off. Use Pat Fryermuth. He could be, I'm telling you, I don't care who criticizes me on this. He could be a top five tight end in this game. He could be Travis Kelsey. He could be George Kittle. He could be everything you want him to be. He could be that version of it, but they're not using him correctly. And if that's Matt Canada that's not using him correctly, then I say fire Canada. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if Dave Schofield is saying that, uh, you know, it's – it's because of uh, you know execution beforehand, and there's you really can't get to them. Then you know I get it, but I'm still saying fire Canada. <laughs> no, I'm not, and I'm not. I'm not saying that there should be any blame on that at all. I'm not. I'm just saying the the, the execution. I think is is a little bit. Well, I mean, when you throw three interceptions. I mean, were those the play calls? To me, that was the execution. No, it's it's element not of it. it it's but, not, but but what? And I'm not arguing with you, but I am I, because the, what I'm going to say is you're when you're in position because of the other plays to force things. That's where yeah. some interceptions come. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I and that and the and the second interception, the one that ended the next to last drive. That was kind of set up with trying to make a play on third and 16. I'm just like, man, just think if they wasn't an interception and they kick a field goal because it was so far away. Um, you know, if that if that falls incomplete and how everything just changes out. But you know, what if, what it could have shoulda. To to me, it's you need to put your players in a in a situation to make plays continually. You can't and, and you can't take to me, you can't take plays off. Meaning, and I'm not talking about players. I'm like, you, you can't take a play to just do something else. Um, just to, to kind of, you know, sometimes, you know, oh, well, you know, you mix it up. But it, this is an offense that they really, negative plays and penalties and everything can destroy their drives. So therefore, you you can't have a boneheaded call in there because that's going to destroy a drive as well. I still can't believe that they – that that was it the minus four one or there was one drive in there where I was surprised they overcame and actually got a first down. Now I, I still think it ended a punt, but they ended up behind the sticks. Um, I mean, I don't know if it was the one that was to, to gentry or not that I was like, wow, I, I can't, they, they actually overcame that, which isn't something that it seems like they're built to do. It seems just like there's you, just like you can't have the drop. How, how, you know, Oh, a drop can just kill your offense by the receiver because when the quarterback makes, you know, he has the time, he makes the throw, the receiver's there, and they just drop the ball. It's almost like a fumbled snap. 
you waste the play, you waste everything else. Sometimes I feel like just just one of those knuckleheaded play calls thrown in the midst there is this it, to me it's the same result. Um here let, let me bring this up here from Andrew Paladino 499 into the tip jar. Thank you Andrew. He says we we likely won't see a change in OC, right? 7 games into the season, we'd likely write it out with Canada sadly. Love you guys, sad loss. I don't disagree with anything he said there. I'm not saying that Matt Canada, Canada should be keeping his job. I'm just saying it doesn't sound like something that the Steelers would do. If they did that, I, I how I'll ask you, Michael, would you be shocked if you found out that the Steelers were making a move at offensive coordinator midseason? Yes, because who would replace him? Like, who's that guy? Mike Sullivan? Yeah. Like who who would really take that spot? Is, is there someone with OC experience on this team? No, Mike Tallman's like I know he played a wide receiver in college, but he's been a defensive guy his entire career. Like who is calling these plays? And, and you're not letting your your rookie quarterback do that. So because they don't have that guy under contract right now, yes, I would be surprised, especially because you're not going out right now and finding an external candidate to run someone else's offense for half a season before implementing their own thing. So I, I really do anticipate that this is part one of those like Black Friday, Black Friday, um, or Black Monday, whatever it's called at the end of the season when all the fires happen, uh, a couple days after uh, your final game of the season. I can see that happening, but uh, right now I, I just don't see the replacement there. So how, how do you make the move when you don't have an obvious replacement already there? And right now I don't see that at all. Yeah, and I know some people are saying, "Oh, Mike, Mike Sullivan, yeah, he was an offensive, he was a terrible offensive coordinator." And not only that, how do you do you think they're really going to change the whole scheme and everything? So then you'd be asking Mike Sullivan to simply just call plays in someone else's scheme that you're just tweaking. I mean, you can make adjustments within it, but you're not gonna you're not gonna change the terminology. You're not gonna change those kind of things uh, mid season. So that's why, I, to me, I don't. I don't see it as something that the Steelers will do. I'm not saying that it's something that wouldn't be beneficial, but I also don't know is that even is is that the best thing to do for your rookie quarterback right now either. So, bad. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, they're not going to do it because they just don't do it, and that's not their style. That's not Tomlin's style. That's not the Rooney style. But the thing is, this is where I'm going to disagree with a little with uh, Beck and Dave a little bit. Is you know what? I don't care who's calling the plays. I'm tired of the whole Matt Canada thing. And mm -hmm. here's why. First drive of the game, you know what's going to be run, run, pass to get out of trouble. That happens almost every single game. They know these defenses know what they're going to do. And that's the thing. Now, the other thing about firing a guy right now, like Matt Canada, one of the reasons you can't do it, because one of the things that, that Dave brought up and said, you know, you can do that to your quarterback. They just don't have the receivers and the team right now, the maturity level on this team to go ahead and handle that change right now. That's one of the reasons, but I could probably get, I could probably get a meth addict hobo to call better plays than Matt Canada right now. And at least my gosh, at least it would be creative. Yeah, that was like, the opening script for the for the Dolphins tonight, I was like, my goodness, what if the Steelers had this creativity? What if they did? And I mean, and 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 like Michael was saying, you know, they have weapons the team had 
teams have to account for. So you should be able to utilize some of these things. And it's just, you know, sometimes you can get, sometimes coaches can suffer paralysis through analysis and you just, you just got to get out of your own way. Um, I, I don't think it's a very, very good fit here in Pittsburgh with coach Canada, but there's, you know, there, there's still a lot of season to be played. Um, I would love nothing more because I don't think the Steelers are moving on from him right now during the season for him to turn it around because that's ultimately what the Steelers need, you know, but, but, but you got to look at, look at this. I mean, they scored 10 points. So their business is winning and business is bad because you can't win scoring 10 points. The offense has not put up more than 20 points in a game this season. The only time they scored over 20 points, it was also aided by a defensive touchdown. That's a problem. That's a problem. And if it's all on one thing and one person, then fix it. If it's if the offense gets rolling and it's just continually bad, that you know that there's nothing else outside of that that it could be that making a change will make this better. You know, like Coach Tomlin's right in the aspect of you don't change make a change for the sake of change, because how do you know that your change isn't going to be if you don't have a plan for the change to be better? then just changing is just is just changing. So they need to have a plan for it to be better. And I, I, I don't know what that plan is right now with them, with this offense. I mean, they were down there where they could have scored two times at the end of the game. I thought they were going to maybe get this touchdown to win the game. And, and instead, it's another, it's another loss. Michael, do you want to continue on with this, with this topic to, as, we, as we wrap it up here? It is so easy to just tear apart this offense piece by piece by Mm -hmm. what we're watching on a weekly basis. But I know I said it earlier, but I want to bring it up again. There's still talent there. Like this offensive line is better from last year. These receive this receiving core in general is better than last year. And I really do mean that. And Calvin Austin's still waiting, waiting in the wing. I feel like that's going to be just another spark to this offense. If they can figure out how to use them, which apparently is supposedly an issue uh we'll see about that but there is just so much talent that is there and and there's so many people on the internet that keep saying the Steelers are devoid of talent but I I look at this team it's like these are like four or five receivers deep here like how many teams are are, are, have this level and they have the tight end and they have a running back that should be a guy and they have an offensive line that's improved and, and they have so like a hopeful quarterback like if they have the right guy back there calling the plays Man, I like it. Just feels like this team is on the precipice of being pretty darn good. And if it if it takes a year of struggling and just some patience, and then hiring the right guy and, and a couple more draft picks to really set things in stone, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it took a big step forward next year. But the fact of the matter is, you can't score ten points on a consistent basis in today's NFL. You can't score less than twenty points in a game in today's NFL and expect to keep your job as an offense coordinator. You need to be averaging at least 24.5-plus points per game in, in this league. Anything less than that, and you're probably losing games, and that's kind of what the, the theme has been for the Steelers. Yeah, Brian, anything more to say to 
on the subject is where you go round and round about it. <laughs> I mean, we we can keep on going. Uh, I think I've exhausted it enough. Uh, you know what? I just the last thing I will say is I don't think you had the drops again for mm-hmm. the second week in a row. You had receivers catching football. The talent, the talent is close. The talents getting together. It's just not getting put together right. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a fan of the of of the route combinations. I mean, this is coming from a guy that my 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 extent of an offensive coordinator was. I I dialed up the run blocking in the run game and just just hoped to get enough assistance from others to 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 try to do things. And and I feel like I could call better better uh, uh, receiver route combinations to 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 maybe free things up um, right now. I mean. That's joking. I mean, I, I'm nowhere close to that level of, of coach and haven't coached in almost 15 years now. So, but it's just the, the whole notion that you look at it and and that big area in the middle of the field that they continually try to avoid using um, at, at all costs. And when they finally do, things work out pretty well for them. Um, it just seems like, it almost seems like the it's a stubbornness to continually do it in a certain way, even when sometimes things break down and you do it in a different way and it works as things, you know, what, like what happened with, with Mitch Trubisky coming in last week and being aggressive on those third downs and using the middle of the field and things of that nature. Why not stay with that? Why not stay with it? I, I don't know. So, all right, well, we're going to wrap this. It's it's late. We're going really long, but this was a lot to talk about. And I mean, we had to take as much advantage. We had to get as much Michael Beck as we could. You know, that having Michael come back and visit here tonight was, was fantastic. Hopefully, uh, Michael uh, can uh, maybe uh, – Maybe start adjusting things a little bit and and not be as much of a stranger here around behind the steel curtain. Um, that that would be great. We understand, you know, life 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 gets hectic. Life moves on. Different things happen. But it was just we're really, really happy that you were able to join us tonight, Michael. Um, but before I hit you guys with your closing thoughts, uh, make, make sure. Hey, we're going to have the same lineup. You're going to have a let's ride tomorrow morning. You're going to have a bad language. Maybe <laughs> now we will poor, poor bad. He still has a bad language to do tomorrow for noon time. Um, you're going to have our same lineup, but uh, Brian, is there, is there going to be a, a, a different live time for the hangover tomorrow? Yes, or there today, is. I guess I should say. So I, uh, I have a, a business engagement tomorrow evening. So what I have to do is I ask the fellows if they can move up their time with a hangover. So we're going to do it live at 1230 right here on YouTube. So if you yeah. do want to check it out, you will get the notification. And if you're not signed up for notifications, sign on up for that. But it will also be around uh, 10 p.m. You can find it on the uh, on anywhere you download your favorite podcasts. Yeah, you guys were considering just recording the show and letting people, you know, live chat or or chat with each other whenever you played it later. But you're like. Is that what really what people want to do? They like to interact as you're as you're going. So um, we understand for some of you that might be a little bit different, but yeah, make make sure you're ready for that. Other than that, we'll be back with our same lineup. Make sure you check it out behind the steel curtain.com, your your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We've already got our articles tonight, the knee-jerk reactions up there, the um an in, an injury update. Tomorrow morning we'll be right back with with the grades. Um, our my my game-changing moment article that I do. 
Um, it, it'll run in the morning because of a, of a night game. Make sure you're checking out all that good stuff. So uh, to, to finish it out, Michael, we'll give you the first crack at it. What, what do you want to say here to, to, to close everything up? It was really my pleasure coming back on. Uh, I really do love talking about this team through the thick, through the thin. Um, it, it's just it's just so much fun to sit back with you guys again uh, and, and really just get into things and, and get those thoughts out because it really this team makes me feel all of the emotions, the, the entire rainbow of emotions. I, I, you're, you're checking off all those boxes because, oh, man, tonight there's excitement, a little bit of anger, and everything in between. But uh, – uh, I still think there's brighter days ahead for this team. Uh, the schedule gets better after after the bye, and TJ Watt apparently he makes this team a, a playoff team on his own. So his <laughs> return uh, could uh, actually spark something uh, of a, a second half turnaround. But we can only uh, hold our breath and hope uh, to see how it goes down. But uh, as uh, time moves on, and perhaps having a little bit more time myself, you might see me uh, around the website uh, a little more often, and hopefully uh, to, to get some more pieces out there. So I, I would really like to uh, to be able to do that for each and every one of you because Pittsburgh Steelers, like everyone that's watching tonight, it's a passion of yours and it's a passion of mine. Excellent, excellent, Brian. You have some closing thoughts for us. Yeah, I had a chance to be off tonight, and because Dave called Michael Beck to be on the show, I'm like, damn it, I can't miss a chance at that. <laughs> so, Michael, thanks for coming home, and uh, we hope to see you home again. This has been an absolute pleasure. It's also nice to see people in the live chat talking up, being glad to see you. Some think you're back permanently, and we got to let them down and say you're not back permanently, but, hey, that offer is always open. I'm just going to yes. throw it out here in front of everybody. But as far as my final thoughts go... You know, I talk a lot about the 1988 team. This isn't the 1988 team. This team's not as bad as the 1988 team. This team's reminding me a whole lot more of that team that went two and six after the Super Bowl in 2006 that just couldn't get it right and couldn't get it together. I can see a six and I can see a six and two or a six and three or a seven and three end for this team as far as uh, in the next few games to end the season. I really think that they have something special. You know, we talk all the time about, well, why is Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin's the problem because he's letting, you know, he's letting, he hired Matt Canada and he's letting him get away with it. I don't think that's the problem because we saw last week what Mike Tomlin could do. I think it's a time to kind of uh, put the foot down and say, this isn't working. We've seen them strip duties from defensive coordinators before. Hey, somebody made a joke out there that, hey, why don't you do just what the uh, New England Patriots do and do it by committee? They've got defensive coordinators calling the ball, <laughs> calling yeah. the play. And uh, Bailey Zapp, Zappy gave him a huge win last week. So look, don't... Uh, did I blame the the uh, loss? Did I say that this is mostly on Kenny Pickett this week? Yes. He has to have those games to grow. And that's what's going to – and he's the right guy to be able to get through that as far as confidence, as far as charisma. Everything about Kenny Pickett is good, but it's just not going to happen right away. And he does not – one thing he doesn't have that Ben Roethlisberger did was a great supporting cast. He has a good supporting cast. Don't trade Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool was going to be a best friend of Kenny Pickett, along with George Pickens going forward. This, this team is close 
to getting back to respectability. But they've got to put it together and you've got to be smart. And that starts with the scheme and the scheme is not there. So, you know, a lot of people and uh, a lot of people are going to look at that. There's some people that are going to agree with me for saying get rid of Canada. There's going to be people that disagree with me for sticking up for Mike Tomlin here. You know, it's all the way you look at it. And if you look at it that way, hey, I have no problem with that because that's the color glasses you're wearing. You know, you're you're looking at it that way. This is what I'm diagnosing. And I know what I would do. And I would go get that hobo. <laughs> so, all right. Well, this, this was a lot of fun. This was our um, Steelers preview team for that when we were when we were dealing with a a, a, a Jefferson Hartman bliss BTSC for a couple months back in 2020 this was this was the preview crew so this was nice to come back and do this again oh the Steelers uh, they come up short they had their opportunities to take the lead in the game twice um at at the end with with the opportunity to take that touchdown to take the lead they just couldn't come through and and do it the offense still needs to come together more the young quarterback still has to grow but the biggest thing i'm going to say is kudos to the defense and the defensive coaches for making that adjustment early in the game or else this could have just been a runaway train wreck but the steelers defense turned around and really they they kept this team in the game throughout to where they even had a chance there at the end where the Steelers could have could, could have scored in the final minutes and won the game because of the adjustments that were made. So I got to got to tip your hat to to the defense and the coaches and and everything that they did there. Want to thank you all for being here. We went pretty late tonight and it was a late night anyway, but um once again thank you Michael for joining us and we will see you next week when the Steelers play at one o'clock as God intended and NFL games will be played on well, one o'clock on Sunday uh, for another post game show. We'll see you later. Everybody else gets a little tight.